Blog Talk Radio. tipping point now over 600 days indictment free <laughs> thanks for joining us i am Stephen platinum and joining me as always is larry goodman how are you doing tonight larry also indictment free that's 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 an accomplishment yes that's nice yeah you gotta, you gotta celebrate the little thing so larry we have a number of great guests tonight we got nick halen yeah. Leading contender, a leading contender for wrestler of the year. And we have Chip Schuyler, leading contender for something, I'm sure, um, who has yes. a huge match coming up against Rhino, amongst many other great things. And he'll be with us in just a few minutes here. Um, in fact, I see, believe he's already in the green room, so we won't, we won't keep him waiting long. But we got a little breaking news in the hour before or so before we came on here. I cannot wait to hear about this. Yeah, well, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, uh, Southern States pro has lost their venue for uh, their show on December the 10th, a week Sunday. They were supposed to debut at the iron shield brewing in Lawrenceville with, you know, plans to run there regularly and that to be, you know, you know, essentially one of their home bases and out of nowhere, the brewery has posted that they're closing. Oh, closing like, permanently. Like closing permanently like this weekend. You know, I was just, okay. So I got a pizza with the kids and there's this great place called Santora's. It's the best pizza I've ever had in my life. And I, so I went in there to pick it up and I always talk to the owner because you know me, I'm always trying to get another job. And so he, uh, he was saying that a guy was working there now who had started the Winter Garden Pizza Company, which was regarded as the best pizza place in Florida, period, for years. And then they sold it to somebody else, and then those people sold it to somebody else, and then they recently closed. So this place that was once considered invincible all of a sudden closed. And so the kids asked me, like, oh, how did they let the employees know? I go, they literally put a note on the door so employees showed up, and it just said, yeah, we're not open anymore. And so, you know, I think we forget because in some ways the economy is so great, but in another way it's just there's businesses that barely got out of COVID alive and are just not able to maintain. So that's a, it's a, that's a rough, rough thing to happen, and uh, 
of course, for southern states, it's really unfortunate. Any any um, word on what they're going to do as far as the venue goes? No, I mean this literally just happened. All right. So yeah, no, and you know the other thing about this, just about this Iron Shield, they'd been there. This, I believe they're now about three years in since they opened in Lawrenceville, and, and these were veteran guys. One guy from one of the owners came from Coca Cola. The other one came from Five Seasons Brewing in San, Sandy Springs. So these guys, you would think, were people who knew something about the, what they were doing in, in getting in this business. But yeah, they're you know. So I don't know anything, of course, about why they're closing, but they're closing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hope that Southern State can rebound and uh, hopefully do another show by the end of the year. But if not, hopefully they can just go into 2024 strong as ever. Um, I was thinking about this though, Larry. There. There have been a couple of promotions that flat out closed, right? And now they might say that, well, we're going to be back. But, like, I, I mean, GIPW, they're done, right? Or am I They're wrong done. About that? Yeah, I mean, Don Kester, you know, said they might come back, but, but with no, no definite plans of, of when mm. or where or how. Definitely, from, from my uh, conversation with them, it would not be – in Warner Robins, which I think is an excellent idea not to try to Warner Robins. Hey, we got a uh, yeah, we got a surprise caller here. I believe this is uh, not Pastor Jake's, but the real Duke Ingraham. Let's see. Duke. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Duke. What's going I guess on, you... Duke? Oh, you know, living the dream. <laughs> just, just lost a booking, I guess, huh? I mean. That's just sucks about the southern states. Yeah, like, I, you know, I, I have gone through, like, you know, the seven stages of grief in, like, the last two hours. I was so excited about this show because, like, it's the most motivated I've seen Murder and Josh in a long time. And, you know, they had some stuff planned, and I hope we can find another venue for the end of the year so we can pull this off. You know, we – um. It's it's weird because it's almost December, like and you know now there's some buzz about Georgia Wrestling History Award. Uh, Duke and I were chatting earlier about the nature of the initial <laughs> announcements about it. But I guess the funny thing is, it's basically a cribbed version of last year's advertisements and flyers and stuff. So there was still information about last year's event on it. Like it was like first time ever in 2022 and all that Oops. kind of stuff, <laughs> which made me laugh. But kind of, I kind of slipped through there, eh? <laughs> yes. And, of course, you know, this year it's, um, this year it's going to be at a Wild Wings, right? Or Wingstop? No, Wild Wings is I correct. Think, Cafe Wild Wing in wow. Alpharetta is correct. Okay. Right. And Larry was surprised because I was like, well, you know, Gary Lamb's not going to be there, right? Because the whole point that they couldn't use the action building because of the uh, the fight event. And so it's going to be weird if Gary Lamb's not there. I got to I gotta say the truth, you know. But Yeah, I, I got to say the truth. I'm going to miss him being there. That's, that's, that's true. So, Duke, what's new and what's good? Oh, let's see. You know, what's new? I think, 
I think a lot of the buzz right now is the uh, kind of the promotions that have made the big splash this year, kind of like Classic City and Deep South. They really seem to be uh, generating a lot of buzz and seem to be doing things the, the right way right now. Yeah. Yeah, Deep South is a – I mean, they're the epitome of a group that you would think – I mean, because they've had venue issues as well, but it's weird. They they seem to keep falling forward instead of falling down. You know what I mean? Like, things that should seem like a weakness, they manage to make into a strength. Yeah, you know, they, they, they found this barbecue restaurant. I think it's I think it's in Midtown. I could be wrong. But apparently it's, by, it's just – Yeah, down by Oakland Cemetery oh. off on Memorial. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's just been a great, you know, I guess venture for both sides because, you know, the the restaurant is, uh, you know, they're getting a lot of foot traffic. Uh, you know, that's it's, uh, you know, it's an area where people are walking by and seeing live wrestling and coming in to watch it and ordering food. So it definitely seems to be a a win win for both. And you know, they're they're putting on some good matches and they're they're really big on their presentation. You know, they uh, when uh, Skrilla won their championship. You know they shot off fireworks, so you know they uh, they're they're definitely about the uh, you know the visual and the moments and things like that. And it seems to be working really well for them. Hey, um, one quick question about that, Duke. What's their plan now for the uh, you know cold weather season? Do they have a date announced for there? That I don't know. Um, it seems like I've seen something for an upcoming show, but I, you know I, I I'm not sure of the date or even if it's at Das Barbecue because. You know they do hop sometimes, so I you know I don't really know what the uh, the plan for the the winter months is for them. But you know I would imagine if you have that much momentum, you want to keep running. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, well, uh, we we got a guest uh, ready to come ready to come on here. Let's let's bring him on. We've got the ultraviolet champion scheduled to face Rhino in Orchard Hill, Georgia. Oh my god! This Saturday. And, yes, that's correct. I think this is him with us now. Do we have Chip Schuyler here? We sure do. Chip. Chip, my man. Chip, I got got two quick questions for you, Stephen Platinum. I got two quick questions. One, how much are you looking forward to this match with Rhino? And, two, have you ever wrestled anybody Rhino's I know he's not the tallest guy, but he's he's almost as wide as he is tall. You know what I mean? Like that's gonna it's like wrestling a human sized bowling ball. Does that worry that's, you in uh, the least? That, that's funny you say that because actually almost a year ago I beat Tank for the Ultra Violent Championship and that's why I hmm. felt so if I can beat Tank, why no? <laughs> this guy's what? He's around the same age. I'm gonna put him out of his misery. Guy should have retired 20 years ago. Spoken like a very confident young man. Um, I, mean, I, I saw what you. I saw what you about the match. I've, I've had the title for almost a year now. <laughs> I can be as confident as I want. Mm. I did love what you had to say about your match with Rhino, um, Chip. Where do you get? I know the obvious answer is, "Well, look at me." But I'm going to ask you to go a little deeper. Where does this confidence that you have come from? Because 
you just don't seem to have that sort of like, you, you just don't seem to have that nervousness that's sort of like scared. I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing thing that most people who have been doing this for a year or so have. Where do you get this confidence from? Uh, that's pretty simple. If you actually check out my stats, which you would understand why, how confident I am, I am actually undefeated in singles competition, and I like to keep it that way. Why would I be scared? <laughs> He's just another victim, another another idiot in my path. Wow. Well, okay. Can you uh, tell us in what else is going to be happening in Orchard Show besides your match with Rhino? Um, to be honest, <laughs> quite frankly, I really don't care and don't know. Uh, but I do know there should be a lot of A4 guys. Um, so if you guys are looking for some high-flying action, I know there's an A4 scramble match. Parker Lee will have a match right there. We might see what will happen with Bryce Cannon. I don't know if Bryce is going to be there, but he did cash in and won the DWA championship last event. So, like I said, <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I could care. I, I could care less, to be honest. But um, it, it should be action-packed no matter what. A little bit, a mix of every single type of match you want. You want some high flying, we got it. You want to see me beat Rhino's ass, you got it. You want to see some hardcore. You definitely got it. So Death, come on and come to the show and show up, baby. So I, I understand you're you're now uh, in Naples, Florida. Did you have to? I mean, did something happen? Did you have to leave the state of Georgia? What's up? Why? What are you doing in Naples? Bigger and better things. You think I was going to stay my whole life in Georgia? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Amen. <laughs> I mean, clearly you don't know. You don't understand because you, you're living your low life still in Georgia. I'm actually it, doing things with my life at 19 years old. True, true. This is true. Okay, undeniable. <laughs> so, you know, uh, staying on the confidence theme here, well, you, you, you know, you have the audacity to suggest that you should be the rookie of the year when yeah. there isn't a, there is no rookie of the year award. So right, because no no other year anyone was ever deserving of it until this year because a new face has stepped in, a new man has changed the scene, a new man has revolutionized hardcore wrestling in the independent south. And that guy is me. So why wouldn't I be deserving of that? I mean, any other person there's a reason you don't have rookie of the year because no one ever makes a name for themselves the first year. No one ever does the things that I'm doing on their first year of wrestling, but changed. In fact, Chip, we were, Larry and I were talking about this the other day. And um, one, as somebody who did something so great that they had to create a category for it, Sacred Ground chapter three was so great that it started the show of the year category. Um, so I'm proud of that. And I mean, I'll just tell you, Chip, I mean, this is, I guess, an exclusive. We're, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to add rookie of the year to this year. There's just, there's just no good argument against it. Um, the only guy who came close to the kind of buzz you've got is maybe Fred Yehi. And I remember Fred's rookie year, People voted for him in most improved, which made no sense. But I think there was this sense of Fred deserved to win something. 
And so they voted for him for most approved, which really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I would say, I mean, I know technically you've probably been wrestling a little more than a year, but Larry and I were just talking about it before the show, and my thing was, I think if you started in the second half of the year before, you would be. I would consider that to still be a rookie. So if we are to have a rookie of the year category, which it looks like we're going to have, um, you would definitely be up for it. And I, I mean, can anybody, Duke, Larry, Chip, can any of you think of anybody else who would even be in contention for rookie of the year um, besides Chip? I can think of people who would qualify. Yeah. But as far as, you know, actual accomplishments during a rookie year, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm, I'm stretching to come up with who that would be um, in mm. Georgia. How about you, Stretching John? Stretching as in skinny, Larry? Have we learned nothing? I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> so, um, uh, can you think of anybody as far as uh, – who are the rookies this year? I mean, Chip Schuyler really did make – I mean, he's – I think he's as good as he thinks he is. And, um, like, uh, I, I have a hard time even thinking of who other rookies are, much less anybody else who made any kind of significant impact. I could be wrong. Well, uh, we, you know, could, we could put Duke in that ca- – we could put uh, Donald Jakes in that category, could yes, we Yes, we could. Yes, we could. Hmm. That's the, that's, How about my boy yeah. Shane now? How about my boy Shane now? That's my manager. He's actually just started learning how to wrestle, and he's had some banging okay. matches already. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, oh, I got one. Uh, Nate, would Nathan Mowry not uh, qualify? Mm. Uh, I think he had a match. Nah, he started a. He started a while before I started. I know that. I, I like what you're doing there, Chip. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He started a while. Also, he's going to pop I, that I, tire. I, he's not letting that car get I, out of I mean, the gate. Smart. Even if you want to compare us, I literally beat, I pinned him for the one, two, three for the title once. <laughs> I don't even know why nice. he's even an option. Nice. That's scrub. But he did throw me off a 20-foot barn, which, you know, that, I don't know if you all saw that clip go around. Oh, I sure did. <laughs> well, he, he had his little little revenge, I guess. So, so I have one, and I yeah. don't know how long he's wrestled, but um, Alexander Lev. Ooh. Is it his rookie yeah. year, or has he, he been around for a couple of years? I I think it's, it's his rookie year as well. That, I that think you're right. the fact that... Yeah, he's made a really big splash this year. Yep. Nicely so done. Yeah, so we, we, we've got some folks to fill out a category here, I think. Nice. You know, well, I, I, Mike, Michael Soler, Michael Soler. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a talented kid. Probably one or two at PCW I would, who, are, who are regulars there, I, I believe, started this year. Right. So, yeah. Well, I'm a, yeah. Well, I you, so Chip, you got this match against Rhino. I know you haven't been wrestling all that long, but where would you rank this match as far as your anticipation, your excitement leading into this match? Is it up there with I, the biggest matches you've had so far, or yeah, is it just this, another day at the office for you? I mean, 
it, it depends how you want to look at it. But in all honesty, it is the biggest match in my career. I don't know if you saw my promo, which was an absolute banger promo, of course. But, um, of course. I mean, I looked up to this guy. I, I was doing gores on the trampoline with my little brother. But <laughs> something about people just not worshiping me like they worship him. That gets under my skin. So I have to win this match to prove that I am the ultimate hardcore wrestler of all time, not Rhino. I mean, come on. I mean, when it comes to disrespecting the champ, that's when it pisses me off. So I am super excited to finally get the respect that I've been deserving this whole time. Mm. You know, I I thought of one other thing that distinguishes you probably, uh, Mr. Skylers. I I don't know if there's ever been a 19-year-old commissioner in pro wrestling. Oh maybe the God. youngest, maybe the youngest ever to serve as a commissioner. I'm the youngest to do everything. I'm the youngest to ever attend the Nightmare Factory at 17 years old. I'm the youngest to ever do a death match at 18 years old. And yes, you just mentioned another fact and another reason why I should win a Rookie of the Year. No one has ever done this, not in just Georgia wrestling, but in all of professional wrestling. No one has ever done what I am doing in just one year. Man, I, I, you know, I, Chip, you're so good, and uh, you talk, your promo skills are out of this world, but I, what, I understand that you beat Tank. I'm just saying, I think Rhino is a different animal than Tank was a year ago. I, I feel like Rhino, I, I think you your first two or three minutes is going to dictate how that match is going to go. And if you get under Rhino's skin and you haven't beaten him yet, I just feel like he's so physically dominant in a way that maybe you haven't encountered before. Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm just, I'm just thinking too much of Rhino? I think you're thinking about Rhino 20 years ago. <laughs> That's what I think you're thinking about. He's not the same man he used to be. He's not the man beast that you all watched growing up, cheering him on your little television, drinking your little Coors Light. No, that's not the rhino I'm facing. I'm facing a washed-up old man that should have retired 20 years ago, and I'm going to prove to every single one why this man should have retired 20 years ago. Well, I mean, I got to say, I saw him at Pro South last year in a hardcore match with Damien Cerrito, and he did not look the least bit washed up. Now, maybe things have changed. But <laughs> it's only a year ago. With Chip Skyler. Things are going to change, buddy. Mm. All right. So are well, we going to sure. see you back yeah, in action please, in Georgia sure. in the future, or are you going to be more on the Florida scene? Or, like, what's the plan here? Um, I definitely will be back with Coastal Wrestling, Coastal Empire Wrestling in Savannah. Uh, I got some unfinished business with exotic youth over there. Um, and... DWA, I mean, we're growing every single show, and you bet your ass I'm the face of the company, and you bet your ass I'm going to be there. So uh, I know Chainmail is going to take more of control with the DWA next year. Uh, We're doing more of the Brawl, the Hall shows. I don't know if you saw that, the WWA4 versus DWA show. Honestly, should be in the category of show of the year. That was an amazing show. Um, And I know he wants to take that and basically crank up the notch. So, Basically, it's going to have a meet of every single of the big companies. So there'll be a 
say there's a match representing Deep South. There's a showcase match representing WA4. There's a show rep- a match representing DWA all in one show. So we're going to take the best of the best in Georgia wrestling. Watch me. It's going to change the game in Georgia wrestling. It's going to be the best of the best all in one show every six to seven weeks. So, and of course, I'll be there. I'm, I'm the best of the best. So why wouldn't the best of the best be there at the best of the best show? Okay. Well, yeah. thanks for giving us some of your time. Good luck with Rhino. I hope I hope it goes as well as you say it's going to go. It will. Trust me. Well, right on, Chip. Um, best of luck, man, and I'm sure we will hear from you and see you later. Hey, uh, Larry, I just wanted to clarify something real quick. The uh, Deep South next show is December 16th, and they are back at Das Barbecue. Oh, okay. Cool. So, you know, maybe they have some heaters. Maybe fans are dressed for them. But, uh, you know, just keep with that momentum. Duke, what are your thoughts about the Rookie of the Year thing in terms of, like, uh, you know, Steve threw out the idea, well, if, you know, if they started the latter half of the previous year, that would qualify them. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's so hard to say when a rookie year starts because does it start when you start training? Is it your first match ever? Is it your first match out of training? Is it your first match that people are actually going to see? So it's kind of hard to say, but, you know, a rookie year can definitely be longer than a year, so... You know, I, I don't yeah, have any I mean, problems going back a little bit. Yeah, because when you think about, I mean, it's such a different thing, right? So if you train at the Nightmare Factory, for example, you'll have a match for your graduation. But I don't think anybody would say that that counted, right? Right. It's, it only counts once you wrestle for a promotion that is not affiliated with the school at which you trained. That would be my argument. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. And... Uh, you know, and again, some people get in a ton of work, like Chip got in a relatively large amount of work. Other people, and, and the thing with rookies too, is they're often not integrated into angles, right? Mm-hmm. They're just meat that are there to lose to whoever. Now, I mean, to toot my own horn, I would say PCW helped change that dynamic, right? Like WWA4 has their, like, gym shows, but nobody in their right mind knows what the angles on those shows are, right? Like, like you don't follow those shows. But PCW is cranking out so many shows using mostly the trainees that those guys got, like, you know, sort of a, a super, like, quick dose of getting into the wrestling business being part of angles, learning to work on different spots in the card and all that stuff. So it's, it's funny to not have a rookie. Like I'm, I'm thinking right now out of the various what I would call classes that I had at PCW, right? Like when Jay Fury trained, there was like a group of guys that trained with him. And then there was like the Jeter, Brian Blaze, Washington Bullets, Vandal, De La Vega class. You know what I mean? Like, and, the, you know, uh, and I was like, God, who would I have picked for the rookie of the year in each one of those various classes? It's interesting to think about. And if we do add the rookie category, I think it's definitely going to 
Um, I mean, it's definitely going to have people looking at some of these trainings coming out of WWA4 or coming out of the Nightmare Factory or coming out of these various schools um, in a different way. I think people will start looking like, okay, this person's got the goods and they're using them right away. Um, and, and maybe it'll even inspire or pressure those rookies as well of like, okay, you know, if, if I can have these great matches and have this great personality. I mean, let's face it, Chip Schuyler is a really good in-ring talent. But Chip Schuyler as a personality and a promo cutter is the reason he's getting everything that he's getting. Right. He figured out he, he feels like a veteran when it comes to that stuff. And I think that's why people feel confident putting him in positions of authority or positions that normally would be reserved for people who have been doing this longer. And um, hopefully he'll be the first of many to come just like that. We'll see. So uh, let us bring on our special guest for the evening. George's reigning wrestler of the year, one of them. Yeah. The other one's retired, but one of them. And uh, our special guest for tonight, Nick Halen. Welcome to the Tipping Point. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, man. <laughs> so you outlasted AC Mack. Do you feel like you're now the reigning wrestler of the year? What, what, uh, I, Nick? I, I definitely am because... AC Mack didn't even come to the award show, so he couldn't accept his award. That's why he's a chump, and I've been him packing from Southern Honor. <laughs> Nick, but full disclosure, I, got, I, I really do like AC Mack a lot as a person. He's a great guy. But <laughs> Nick, did you ever think that you would – so how long have you been wrestling? Like, what's the year that you started? I started – uh, at the arena in Cornelia, at um, in 2002, I started training there. I believe it was around April. Jesus age. So two decades. So Nick, you've been wrestling professionally longer than Chip Styler has been fucking alive. Okay. I don't mean to yes. put it like that, but I just put it like that. Did you oh, ever think? Did you ever think in your wildest dreams? One, that you would still be wrestling. Two, that you would be doing the best work of your career t- more than 20 years later. I think uh, if you ask young me that question, um, part of it is, yeah, I'd still be wrestling, but my best yeah. work would have been, you know, the stuff I was doing right then, like trying to do dives or trying to be uh, like the third Hardy Boy or something ridiculous like that. Right. But um, now that I'm older and, uh, you know, I, I understand what I'm capable of and I understand that you don't have to necessarily kill yourself every time you go out there to make those people feel something. Yeah. Um, I very much understand I'm doing the best work I've ever done. And uh, not to sound too arrogant, but some of the best work as far as storytelling goes in Georgia with the help of a lot of guys that are helping write those stories or be a part of those stories. Yeah. Nick, you, you mentioned that, you know, you don't, you learn that you don't have to die. You don't have to do crazy stuff every match. 
But what's something you do have to do as a pro wrestler every time you're in front of an audience or a camera? What's something that you do have to do every single time you're out there? Uh, to me, I believe you got to make them feel like you you have to come out there with that emotion, like whatever the story is. Um, you know, if it's me and if it's me and Adrian, and and we really are really tight, like as far as friends and best friends, and I know I could call him if I needed anything. So when you have that extra emotion that you can play off someone, and those people, you know, those three rows, like well, Southern Pride for sure, but like those yeah. three rows, like, they can all feel the tension coming off of me. Went, like last Thanksgiving, you know, he wouldn't fight me, so I pushed him. He comes back. He's like, no, we're not fighting. So then I smacked him in the face. Still wouldn't fight me. So what's the next logical thing is to spit in his face the same way Jimmy Rave would have spit in somebody's face, which was just the icing on the cake <laughs> for that. But just making them, letting them know that emotion's there that, you know, you might not have liked the guys before or the guys after, but, damn it, like, while I'm out there, you're going to feel some kind of raw emotion coming out of me because, like, while I'm out there, the red light's on, you get that fever. Um, yeah. You know, I heard Shawn Michaels say today, actually, he's, like, he's always curious about how people are different when the camera comes on. You know, people are different when their music hits and they walk out there in front of those people. Like, I don't have to be the Nick that – the 9-to-5 Nick. I'm Nick Halen. I'm the best wrestler in the world. You can't tell me any different. And if you get in my face, I don't care how big you are. I'll, you know, I'll smack you, whatever it takes. Um, but just make them feel something, whether that's being loved or being hated. You really have to, like, draw that emotion out of those people. Yeah. Um, Nick, related to Steve's question about, you know, you've been wrestling, you know, what, 20 years now. I'm wondering, like, what did you aspire to when you returned back to wrestling? But that's only three years ago. What 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 were your thoughts of what might happen when you came back to wrestling? Um, I really had no idea what was going to happen. All I knew was that uh, I got tired of being fat, so I started working out. And I had uh, had at the time the house I had had a basement, so I started going places, and I was buying gym equipment and putting it in my basement. And I started working out and getting in shape. And I was like, you know, my mobility feels good. I could probably wrestle, but I really didn't know if I would be, what the reception was going to be like, because I had went before I even stopped wrestling, like in 2011 or 2012. Yeah. I was just so like, uh, so in my own head that like, I didn't think I could cut it with a chip day or Kyle Matthews in a ring or foul anymore. So I wasn't sure how the reception was going to be or if anybody, like the boys, I mean, like in the locker room was like, are they even going to want me here? Are they going to remember me? I thought about being a referee. I thought about wearing a mask. I thought about all kinds of stuff before I decided, no, you're just going to be yourself. You're going to go out there and you're going to put in the work and show everybody. And it took a couple of years, but, you know, I showed everybody. I put in the work and like as far as in-ring and – Outside the ring, like going to the gym, trying to have like a better tan than Hunter James is a tough job. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> Any old guy will tell you the tan counts, bro. The tan it does counts. Count. Tan fat is muscle, was, bro. I was uh, I was really really apprehensive, really nervous about coming back, but 
it's like once you get going and guys see this, like, oh, okay, well, he can work and put our guy over and you give their guy, their top guy, like a decent match or whatever, you know, it's just paying those dues all over again almost in the ring. You, uh, I have a question. Go ahead, Duke. So, uh, you know, when you made your comeback, you know, I first saw you at Anarchy, and they uh, they put you into a program with uh, Tyler Culprit. And mm. you guys had several matches, and it kind of seemed like, you know, after the second or third one, you, you got the rust off, and you guys really had a, a good program. At what point was it when you came back that you realized, like, hey, not only do I have it, but I'm better than I was when I was doing this the first time? Oh, better. Uh, it probably took a while for that kind of confidence to grow. I would. I had a real confidence problem even coming back. Um, I was wow. going through like a lot of personal issues, like when uh, my marriage was falling apart, and I wasn't sure, like you know, what I was going to do wow. with my life and stuff like that. So um, that took a while to build that confidence. Uh, Scotty or Tyler Culprit, God bless him. Yeah. Um, we really bonded off his character right away. The first time we met, I was like, I just want you to know I love your character. And, uh, you know, because I was a big fan of the Gotham show. And um, he was like, that's really cool, man. And we just started having conversations, like, while we're back there calling, whatever. But he really kept me, like, at ease those first several matches together. Like, he was a real pro as far as, like, keeping me calm down, don't worry about nothing, just, just be you, do your moves, you know how to do them kind of thing. And then uh, – I think he's the one that was like, uh, I used to do this move Amazing Red does. Can you still do that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, stuff like that would help during the matches. But yeah. I had zero confidence, I would say. I can distinctly say, like, I had zero confidence up until we got to September of 2021 when I was in the uh, war games with the Sexton Alliance versus Southern Fried. Mm-hmm. That was like a game-changing moment for me. Um, I gotta say, I gotta say, Nick. Um, like, I mean, this is stuff that most people wouldn't know or maybe even care about. But like, <laughs> Nick is one of these guys who will actually look at like my Instagram pictures of like the kids and stuff like that, and he'll like them, and I'll look at his stuff, and I like his stuff too. I, I love Nick Halen's voice for a different reason than I love Chip Skyler's. Like, Chip Skyler has a great pro wrestling promo braggadocious confident voice but Nick Halen's voice is only attainable that kind of gravitas is only attainable through going through things in life and when I look at Nick with his woman and his kid like it has an effect on me like I look at it and I go that's a guy that I imagine if we had you know like it's tough to hear that, like, you know, they're, like 2010 to 2012 or 13 weren't doing it. It's like that's exactly when I would have brought you into PCW. Like, I, I, I have regret for something that I had no control over, you know. Like, I always think, like, God, if Nick Halen and I met, I imagine we would have got along swimmingly, you know. Just because it's – you can't fake people who have been through it and come out on the other side. And I think a lot of the voting last year, did Nick Halen deserve to win wrestler of the year? Absolutely. 
but you know, voting is a very weird thing, right? And I think he got the votes and AC Matt got the votes for very different reasons, but also similar reasons also. And I think it was an acknowledgement from the boys of these are two guys that we respect. And these are two guys that we know have overcome what they have had to overcome to be good at what they do. And they're also two guys that you can throw on a card blind and they can get the audience instantly in their pocket within seconds. And that, to me, is the definition of a pro wrestler. And, um, but Nick Halen is not just a great pro wrestler. He's a good man. And I think, I think there's something about that that the crowd senses. That even when he's a heel acting like a complete dickhead, I think there's, like, I think there's still an acknowledgement and a feeling of gravitas behind everything that Nick does. You just can't fake that. You can't even teach that. I think it's just something that you have to develop, and it just has to be a part of you. And Nick is just, it's just so much fun watching a guy at the height of his powers that can still go, that doesn't have to, doesn't have to, doesn't have to cover for himself or the guy doesn't have to carry him artificially. Nick doesn't feel the need to put on airs. He's able to be honest about stuff. I mean, it's all stuff that just comes with time and having, I think you have wrestling in the proper perspective where it adds to your life instead of being your whole life or, you know, you're shitty at this part of life. So wrestling is your way to get, you know, some kind of rush. I think wrestling is just a part of a life that's, that's going pretty well. And I think that's reflected in the work that you're doing everywhere. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, first off, like, thank you for thinking that I'm a good man just by what you see on the internet. And, uh, cause I know you're like, you're on my personal pages too, which I keep separate because of my kids and yeah. stuff. But, um, I use wrestling as a confidence booster, like outside of, uh, outside of wrestling. So like I, you know, I had the match with, uh, Jadias a few weeks ago at Southern fried at Thanksgiving. And for like the next three days, I just walked around like, I was like, damn, that was good. It felt good. It felt good in the middle of it. It felt good after it just, you know, it keeps you pumped up for a while. And, um, then I work a smaller show, uh, near my house in Colbert at UWF. And, they want us to do the Survivor Series match, like, four on four, and I'm rolling my eyes, like, all week going into it, like, this is going to be just a clusterfuck. But, <laughs> the, at, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't that bad, and I was impressed with just about everybody in there and really happy that I had – it was the eight of us in there for the match to get it over the way we – to go into their big show. Like, uh, so I kind of use that confidence, and, like, I'm not scared to say, like, if I have a, a – great match like I did the other day with uh, Jadias or whatever. Yeah, I'm proud of that match. I, I send those people that helped us out, send them all text messages, thank yous, and I appreciate it and everything, but I have to be proud of myself because I'm the one that's out there doing the work, um, trying to keep my win because um, Michael Judas is a machine. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. <laughs> um, so like, I, I do use that. So you're thousand percent right i do use that for like that confidence helps with my everyday life especially with the kids that they need to see the way i react to things going on because my son is 
becoming this football player in middle school and oh boy. years he'll be moving into high school and it's like, you know, this is how you carry yourself in a locker room. This is how you talk to other players, but this is how you talk to your coaches. This is how you, you know, mm. really so that they carry themselves to be a good man when he gets older or my daughter a good woman when she gets older, you know. Those are the most yeah. important things I'm trying to teach them. So they need to – and they're in the locker room a lot, especially at Southern Fried. So they need to see the professionalism come out of me so that that rubs off on them when they're at school or they're in their own locker rooms or whatever, you know. But nobody's looking. Yeah. I I got to – you know, you mentioned Judaeus. Um Nick, you're a very humble guy, but I want you to lose your humility for just a moment. It's going to be you and him, and probably other people too. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody writing me complaining that I didn't mention them. But you and Judas are going to be leading contenders for wrestler of the year. There's just no two ways about it. He's held titles. I think Larry and I were talking about it. Is he holding titles in three of the major promotions simultaneously? Southern Honor, Southern yeah. Fried, and where else? Anarchy. 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 Money Anarchy. Yeah. Right? So – so why should why should the boys vote for you over him? Because I'm the guy that can. Well, I, I try not to. Uh, if you Nick Halen would tell you, because I'm the guy that makes guys like Jadias or guys like Hunter James or AC Mack or Corey Hollis even. I'm the guy that makes. I'm the guy that's making them stand out on the show because they're in my match. That's the uh, Nick Halen. <laughs> there you go. The, uh, but the real answer is like, and um, not to be too humble or too anything, but like I try not to let that overtake me or concern myself with it so much, especially when yeah. it's later in the year, like it is right now. And you see those guys make those Facebook and Twitter posts where it's like, I deserve to be win this award, or do I deserve to be wrestler of the year, or top male performer or female performer? I try not to concern myself with that because I feel like. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a talker. I'm a walker. Like, if you think I don't deserve to be wrestler of the year, then if you got 58 minutes, put the match on with Judas and watch me run him ragged like no one ever has. You know, I know he's lost matches and won matches, but I mean, who? What other guy that's five foot seven has the balls to walk up to him, spit on his chest, and smack him in the face? I mean, come on, you guys. Like, <laughs> I love it. Uh, side note, Steve, if you haven't seen that match, you need to see that match for sure. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, you, you mentioned, Nick, the um, storytellers. We got one of those storytellers, I think, here in the green room. And let's bring him on now. Do we have Todd Sexton here? Hello. Nice. Hey. Happy belated birthday, man. Oh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Fuck you, Larry, for not wishing me happy birthday. <laughs> oh. I win again. Larry's been getting in all kinds of trouble. Don't start saying getting Todd Sexton is please. Please don't do yeah, that, just, Larry. Just, just fucking up right and left. Go ahead. I tell you, God forbid you talk about my body size right now, Larry. <laughs> so, um, Nick is being, uh, you know, Nick, Steve is, uh, Larry's right. Steve, you need to watch that match. Granted, it's an investment. But those two went out for 58 minutes and went at a level, as I said, rare air that many people breathe in independent wrestling. And you don't see matches like this in independent wrestling uh, very rarely. And they went at a 
I, I told Larry, and I haven't told anybody else this except for Kelly, that match may have been my proudest accomplishment in professional wrestling. Wow. Jesus. When, when, you're, when you're at 45 minutes into a match and you have Judas in a figure four and he falls to the mat, one, two, he lifts up and the crowd is still popping, you're doing something special. And those two did something special that night. It was such a throwback, that match. And um, uh, on a related note, I thought that Adam Vance doing solo commentary was also a great throwback on, on that match. I, I just, it, was, it was very different than what you're going to see in most, most anywhere in independent wrestling these days. And that's what I went with. Um, and Nick will tell you I'm, I'm a big believer in sending homework, especially for big matches. Um, Nick, would you care to share what the two big matches we discussed was? Um, oh, hey, wait, wait. I can't remember the first. Well, here, hold on. Let's see if Larry or Steve or even Duke can figure out what matches would be good for that kind of match. I know one of them is going to involve Bret Hart. <laughs> well, he knows Nick very well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of matches where Brett wrestled, you know, somebody much bigger than him. Larry, you got any? Nope. All right, well, I'll tell you. All right, first one is uh, one of them, as Steve said, Brett Hart. Brett Hart versus Undertaker in the U.K. at the one-night-only pay-per-view 97, which mm-hmm. is a very obscure match because it wasn't on the original broadcast. It, and the other one, Nick, do you want to share that one? It was uh, Ric Flair versus Bruiser Brody. And they wrestled oh. for like 58 minutes or something. Love it. Yeah, uh, when you see me and Mike working the headlock into the head scissors, we just totally ripped that off from that match. <laughs> I, ha- I have that match on DVD. Xavier Woods got me that on DVD because I'm such a fan of that match. Oh, <laughs> I love that match. And plus, there's a one-man commentary on that match. Because it's Larry, I can never pronounce his last name properly, but Larry uh, Nelstick, um does the commentary. Oh, yeah. 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 And it also shows the monster having to be a wrestler, a wrestler having to go with the monster. They're both pushing each other to the limit, which is the kind of thing you wanted in that match. And they both delivered on such a level, you know, and it's, like I said, truly great stuff, and, it, you know, and like you said, those two are probably the two prime candidates at this point for Wrestler of the Year, and they're also not the two, as Nick said, to go on and say, hey, vote for me, I deserve to be Wrestler of the Year. You know, when you look at, here's the, you want me to give you a list of the people who have worked an hour or close to it in the last, let's say, 10 years? I mean, here's the list. It's Jimmy Rave. <laughs> it's Tyson Dean. Is that correct? They wrestled each other, yep. right? Yep. It, it's Shane Marks, who did it on three separate occasions, which is crazy. Um, John Williams of the Washington Bullets. Jeter. Let me say that again. Jeter and uh, Fred Yehi. Those are the people who have gone an hour or close to it. Um, I, I mean, and Adrian Hawkins. And Adrian, Adrian Hawkins. Yeah. 
I mean, God, that list of people alone, it's just, they're so shockingly great. And um, I don't know. I think it's fitting. It's fitting where it happened. It's fitting who did it. Um, And I, I have to watch that match clearly. Um, we just mentioned Adrian Hawkins. I would like, since we have both Todd and Nick here, could we talk about that match a little bit, Nick? Uh, the Iron Man. Iron Man. Um, the Iron Man, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the difference between, like, that match versus the one I just had with Jadias is I was, during that match, I was so concerned with how long we had been going, like the time during the match and where we were at. To the point where I started telling myself in the middle of the match, I was like, "This is not going good." But when I watched it back, I was like, "Oh, this is this is fine. This is fantastic." But um, I was almost losing that confidence thinking about that clock so much. But um, Adrian, I think, is a very underrated uh, professional wrestler. I don't just say that because he's my friend. He's a guy I've always liked and always watched from afar, whether I was wrestling or not. But. Um, I think I think it was very important, like for him too, to prove like you know he can do the hour and um, it's like Iron Man's not something that's done often on the indie scene, let alone in Georgia that much. So um, we took it as like a it was a really big deal to us too when you factor in like the approved and Jimmy Rave and all the guys that were originally Jimmy Rave approved like Chip or Kyle or Corey because we wanted to make sure we lived up to a certain standard. Like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves going into that. And even when we were done, like Adrian wouldn't watch it for like a month or something until I was just like, when you're sitting at the airport, please just turn it on and watch it. Or like, like I had to talk him into it because he didn't want to watch it back in afraid It was, he was afraid it was going to suck or whatever, but I told him it was good. So. Yeah, man. And the other side of it, I'm the booker booking it. I sent them the message, and they were both like, eh. And then I kind of prodded at them. I was like, if you don't think you can do it, just let me know. And <laughs> all of a sudden, the, uh, the, <laughs> the mood changed, and they got defiant on me. And, you know, an Iron Man match, is it going to be a draw? You don't know. We drew about 300, so that was good. Were they going to stay with it the whole time? Uh, they did. Um, and we were meticulous about the thing, you know, and I'll pull back the curtain. Nick and Adrian came over here to my place and we sat here for an hour and a half walking through it, just coming up with ideas of pacing, uh, yeah. you know, moments and this and that Moment. callbacks to stuff we've done before to where we had something that would, uh, be something special. And I'll call Larry on it right now. He reached out and he, he hates Iron Man matches, but he, he enjoyed that one. I have, you know, Todd, while I got you on here, I was thinking about how, like, like the evolution of the awards show itself, the way that we're, you know, always refining things. And I think one of the things that should be done, if not in an official way, in an unofficial way, is defining what the roles are. And I think Booker is one of those things that people think they know what it means to be a great Booker, but I think very few people actually know what it entails. And I I think this is a great example, right? 
a booker isn't just a guy who, I mean, match makes, you know, that takes a dry erase board and writes two names next to each other and picks a finish. I think the booker job, I think that's like 8% of the job. And it's not even the most important part of the job. No. It's, it's the, I think, you know, I always say like, people ask me about booking wrestling shows and I go like, well, how good of a salesman are you? <laughs> and they go, oh, I don't want to do, I'm like, well, then you shouldn't be a fucking booker because there you go. most of being a booker is having a vision, but then selling that vision. Because if you can't get people to buy into what you're selling, um, it's never going to work. The boys have to trust you. Being a yes, booker they, is the ability to pick up the phone and get to getting the right people on your show when you need it. Mm-hmm. Being a booker is the ability to adapt to change because yep. the card is never going to be as you want it to be the day of the show. It's never going to work that way. Being a booker is a million things all at once. It's having a commanding presence yet being um, close enough to the boys that they trust you all at once. And it's like, you know, I think there's, I'll just say this, someday, you know, as people's names go on the award who are Georgia wrestling personalities, I mean, Todd Sexton's name is probably going to be on that Booker Award someday. And I, I was thinking about that. And, I mean, it's the first time I've said that out loud to somebody else. But I thought about it, and I'm very confident in saying that because it's like everything that you were just talking about is what makes a great booker. Now, Dylan has won that award, and he probably deserved it the year that he won it, but I don't think anybody in their right mind, this is one of those things that's going to get me in trouble, but fuck it, I'm already talking, right? He's not a booker as I would define it. Because a booker, as I would define it, would tell everybody else to piss up a rope and do what the fuck I want you to do. And if you don't like it, get the fuck out, right? Like, there has to be a kind of a temperamental artist's arrogance to being a booker. And you have to want to be a booker desperately. And I don't think either one of those things he qualifies. But I think Todd qualifies. I think there's a few other people that qualify. And I think this year has shown that more than ever. For Todd to book and uh, a, a near Broadway when, you know, I mean, that's a risk. That's a risk, but it paid off. And that's, there's no better feeling than that. And if, if you can't understand why that's that, why that, why Todd feels the way he does, that it really is this selfless thing of the thing he's most proud of is the thing where other guys were wrestling. And, I mean, that's what a booker is. And so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, yeah. yeah. I'll say this. You know, I've, uh, you know, I've only been on the other side of the curtain for about a year now, but a booker that has confidence will change the entire show. Yeah. I mean, when there's a booker running around that, that you know, doesn't know what they're doing and doesn't have, you know, a plan A, a plan B, a plan C – you know, it, it, it really can mess with the locker room, and it can really, re- you know, mess with the mentality of everybody. But when there's a booker that has confidence in you and has confidence in what's going on, you know, it, it changes the entire complexity of the show. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and, and not to take over Nick's spotlight here, because that wasn't my intent. My intent was to be on here to put over Nick, who totally deserves it. Um, but, Nick, as we know, there's a – a saying we have, T-A-R, 
Todd's always yeah. right when it comes to the Todd's bulk of your stuff. always right. <laughs> when I really feel like I am, that's what I push. You know, and I'll, I'll listen everybody out, but, you know, like you, have, you have to have confidence. <laughs> no, he, he does love have it. that confidence. And, and I'll tell you this, too, like if, if Todd has an idea for something, and let's say I come to him and I'm like, what are we doing here because I have this idea for this? If it doesn't fit, he's not afraid to tell me, hey, that doesn't fit. He doesn't get like, well, i got to please my, you know, because we're friends or whatever. He has to, like, take my idea and run with it. But if it is a good idea, then he'll figure a way to work it in there. But he's never scared to say yes or no, depending on does this fit in the story? Does this Is, is this minor detail going to um, elevate the story, or is it going to de-escalate the story? You know, it's like um, – He's not afraid to make yeah. the right decision, whether it's uh, like telling me no or telling me yes, or anybody else for that matter. It could be Bill Barons or Rick or whoever. They, you know, they respect him enough and they understand. If if you can't say no, you're not a fucking booker. If you can't take somebody's idea and incorporate it and make it better, you're not a fucking booker. If you can't sell you the shit that you want to do, you're not a fucking booker. If you don't have a vision on where you want the show to go, you're not a fucking booker. And if you can't get a fucking baby face over, you ain't a booker. So <laughs> Todd, Todd's a booker. And, I mean, Nick Halen is a wrestler's wrestler. You know? Um Hmm. Nick, is there yes, what sir. of your 2023? What else stands out in your mind that we have not touched on? Um, I've had some pretty awesome moments. Uh, like even before the match with Judas, I had three other matches with Judas at the beginning of the year that I thought were really good. Um, I, I recently wrestled George South, uh, maybe like a month or two ago. Um who as soon as we locked up, he knew he was okay in there with me. So that meant a lot to me that, like, right when we locked up, um, he was like, okay, we're all right. <laughs> and then, then, I made, then I made him shoot me off, and I bumped him right quick with a shoulder tackle just to see how he would react to it. <laughs> Make those old fucks bump, man, always. Uh, well, like, he was great and uh, really complimentary work and details and stuff uh beating jeter for the anarchy title was a really big moment for me number one because it's the anarchy title uh number two it's, it's uh jeter i mean nobody I mean, it's really hard to believe that you know like like i said earlier like the guy that's only like five seven maybe five nine with my lifts and my boots is uh beating a guy that's like six seven and over 400 pounds or so. Um, but that was a really big moment for me, and it was it meant a lot to me for, um, like, my girlfriend was there in the crowd. Um, my best friend's watching through the curtain, and then my other two best friends are on the other side of the guardrail right when it's over just so they can hug mm. me and tell me they're proud of me. Um, and the fans that came from Cornelia, like, all the way to Canton, and we make that drive at least once a month for Southern Honor, and it's terrible. But, yeah. Uh, that they drove out there just to see that show and um, I got to perform in front of them and them hugging me and telling me we knew you could do it. Like there's a, there's a couple guys right after I win the, right after I slide out of the ring with the belt and we 
they had their WWE belts, and we, like, clicked them together, but they were just like, I knew you could do it, man. I was, like, uh, I thought that was a pretty special moment on that show. <clears throat> yeah, that was uh, running definitely Running Corey Hollis from Southern Honor was good, too. <laughs> I, I was going to say that against Peter. That was that was a very special moment. Like, you know, that's that's one of those moments that you know, as the wrestling fan in me won't forget, because you know we've just kind of seen your climb at Anarchy and the dominance of Jeter and the way you guys told that story and the way you guys played out that match. It was, it, you know, it was something pretty magical. Thank you. Um, my only wish for that match is that we probably had like thirty more minutes. Or something, you know, to tell like something, some kind of crazy story. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting him over just with the chops alone, like because it's Jeter, he chops hard, it's loud. So me ducking and dodging, hitting him with a few chops and punches, and him no selling, and then finally getting his hands on me and chopping me three times. And the third one, I take the big bump, um, and and getting that reaction from the crowd, the big ooh, whatever. How much more can I take? Like telling him that Rocky story, can he get back up and keep fighting? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kind of deal. Uh, all those mo- those moments, like Todd talked about, moments are a big deal for me. The details are a big deal for me. Like having those moments in the match and just get lost in the moment. Don't worry about the next spot. If you need to know the next spot, just ask the guy you're working or whatever. But like just having those moments so that people, like I was talking about earlier, can feel the emotion coming off of them. They see the pain on your face, the pain on your body the joy after you win, the tears running down your face when you hug your friends in the crowd and all that stuff. That That's what matters. That's what sells tickets. That's what does it all. That's why I get messages from other wrestlers all the time now, it's just, which is crazy to me, asking my advice. Hey, can you watch my match and stuff like that? I'm like, wow, I can't believe you're asking me because you could ask these three other guys over here. You know, um, those moments, I think, really make that. Yeah, we're we're all old as fuck now. So like, <laughs> is that because so, I'm talking too long? <laughs> so I'm gonna ask this question of Todd and of Nick and of uh, Duke. Um, what's gonna happen in 2024? I want you to make um, a prediction about yourself, something that you want to accomplish in wrestling, or something that you think is gonna happen in regards to yourself in wrestling, and then and then a wacky, I'm just going to throw this out there as a possibility of something that might happen in wrestling. Like, let your imagination go a little bit wild. So whoever wants to go first, please do. A prediction about yourself, and then a prediction about wrestling in general. It can be in Georgia, it can be on the national scene, or anything else. I will Uh, predict that I'll retire again. (laughs) And my wacky prediction is That I will wrestle again (laughs) (laughs) But I hope that doesn't come through I take back everything I said about Todd being a good booker I fucking take it all back (laughs) (laughs) Fucking dick Uh, so, uh, you know, my prediction for me is that uh, people will 
finally see the glory of Pastor Donald Jake and realize no. that nothing is full of sin and debauchery and evil and the riffraff, and we have to cleanse it. And the only Ooh. way to do that is through the good pastor. Nice. Crazy prediction is that uh, wrestling scene in Georgia is changing, and I don't know if the norms are going to get it done anymore because we've seen such an influence of shows running in breweries and restaurants yeah. and different things like that and different styles of shows and different formatting and things like that. I think, uh, I think there's going to be a big changing of the guard within the next year as far as you know, what we consider the top level of stuff in Georgia. Yeah. Nick. Uh, I will be the uh, Southern Pride heavyweight champion and the Anarchy heavyweight champion (laughs) again. (laughs) That's my prediction for 24. Uh, Crazy. I saw this thing a while ago that they're trying to push for Punk versus Steve Austin. I thought that might be crazy. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> Fucking what a weird wrestling world that that could happen. I just see crazy. Uh, Larry, can I ask you, what's a crazy wrestling prediction you have for 2024? Um, that Anarchy Wrestling will actually run a show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I could, I. Fair enough, and I. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, gentlemen, is there any any last thing you want to promote or talk about before we uh, before we wrap it up here? Please, Todd or Nick. Um, I'll promote. Uh, we got Southern Honor next Friday night. I actually was doing some homework for that show. Right before I called you guys, finishing that up, because um, Joe Black versus Judas is a first-time singles matchup. It is going to be a spectacle. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, um, they got their first taste of each other at the last show, and there's chemistry there. There's fire there. There's something there. Um, and then Southern Fries next show, December 16th. I know Nick is pissed about the way the match went, so I know he's got something to say, but we will be uh, seeing Judas with both the Anarchy, ouch, Nick, and the Southern Fried Heavyweight title. And one more thing, Nick, your girlfriend wants to say hello. Hello. I don't want to say hey. Hey, Nick. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) And, Larry, when are you going to write up a piece on that match? I'm not going to any shows this weekend, so that's that's on my list is to write up the show and the uh, Judas Halen match. Yeah, because that match, you know, and I, I know I'm biased, but it needs to be recognized for what it was. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. But please don't say anything about how Nick Halen's lost weight, and uh, please don't bring any of that. Yeah, up. let's not talk about anybody's body size. Don't body shaming Larry. Yeah. Let's try to be <laughs> let's try to be woke and good here, okay? Damn it, you need to calm down. We all know know Nick's very sensitive and he can't handle any kind of constructive criticism. (laughs) Don't talk about how I'm practically translucent with my tan or anything like that. (laughs) You can see organs moving around like a gecko. Yeah, you know, don't talk about that. 
The only reason there's definition in my ass because there's no skin there because you can see through it. <laughs> Try to be professional, Larry. I'm begging you. <laughs> Nick, any last words for you? Uh, just uh, thank you guys for having me on here and uh, respective promotions for having me on their shows and promoting me. I know that sounds really humble, too. I'm the best fucking wrestler in the world. Let's just say that. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Man, you better curve that out before you get back with your girlfriend. You better, you better <laughs> camp that down a little bit. <laughs> well, no, gentlemen thank you and girlfriends, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the tipping point. Um, Larry and I are beginning to do this with more and more frequency. Um, where, where are people going to be? Well, Larry said he's not going to be at a wrestling show, but he's going to be writing a couple of things up. That's good news. Um, Duke, where are you going to be this weekend? Uh, I am going to be sitting on my couch, but uh, nice. next weekend you can check out the good pastor making his debut at Coastal Empire Wrestling, and Whoa. we're going to attempt to uh, cleanse the exotic youth and make them pure and righteous in every possible way. Mm. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. That's going to be great. The problem is herpes never really goes away. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> in any case, we're going to have a next tipping point. I'm sure we're going to have more to say about the Georgia Wrestling History Awards, um, the nomination process, and all the rest of that good stuff. But uh, for Todd Sexton, multi-time Booker of the Year and a Mentor of the Year winner, uh, Nick Halen, the guy who was almost good enough to win Wrestler of the Year by himself, for Larry Goodman, <laughs> for Duke, and uh, I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you for joining us once again for The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.